This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in isolation. Actually, not joined in isolation, but you're you're not isolated with me. We're not in different rooms of our house. By David Moore. I'm self-isolating from both of you, yes. Yes, that's a good idea. Probably, you know, pretty much after this whole <laughs> thing is over. I There's really no difference that. leading up to this either. This is this yeah. pre-COVID-19, actually. Yeah, that's right. And Evan Grant, who's still trying to figure out how to, to work uh, Zoom. I broke the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, Evan, Evan. I just interviewed a guy uh, a few minutes ago, who uh, an Ohio State professor who's done this study on the, the impact of uh, five-star recruits economically on a football team. Uh, and he wanted to know if I wanted to do that interview on Zoom. I said, no, no, thanks. I'm just going to do the old-fashioned way on a phone. Thank you, though. Um, so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the draft, uh, which is this week, which starts Thursday uh, and uh, w- with the first round, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, but I want to cover a couple little things here real quickly before we get to that. Uh, Evan, so you wrote about uh, the fact that the Major League Baseball is considering a uh, uh, a plan of maybe playing in Texas, of all places. What's Where up with that? that? What was that place? Texas. Oh, okay. Um, I think you had a little trouble getting Texas out. Yeah, I, listen, everything right now is a workshop. Um to 10 days ago, it was, okay, let's move everybody to Arizona. Then it became expanded to let's split them up in Arizona and Florida. Um, and now I think with uh, the ambition that the state of Texas has shown to uh, open up its economy, and, and as we talked about, I think, last week, last Thursday, the possibility that the PGA Tour is going to open up its season in Fort Worth and that NASCAR and, and Texas Motor Speedway are talking about opening up that without uh, any fans the first week of June. Um, I think it dawned on Major League Baseball that, hey, you've got a brand new stadium sitting in Arlington. Uh, You've got a a first-class minor league facility about 30 miles north of it. You've got two really good Division I program facilities in the Metroplex. Um, And if you expand that down I-35, you've got both UT, Round Rock, and then, you know, you take a little bit of a turn to the east, and you've got another major league ballpark. So within four hours, you could have about six, uh, six top flight facilities for teams to call workout uh, bases, uh, kind of home clubhouses. And then you could, you could play two games a day in each of the major league stadiums. Um, 
and, and also have some some of those other places left over as places where you would hold some of your reserves. So, um, because I think there's going to be a, a bigger reserve pool of players who are going to have to play as, as depth options um, in, in separate games. So, is it a possibility? Yeah, for about 10 teams. The other advantage here in Texas, I'll have to say, is that if you look at the way the teams are split up, playing in Arizona, um, you'd either have to play early, early in the morning, um, or you'd have to try and play at night. And for TV, that only works for the West Coast teams. So if you're going to have a TV-based league with no fans, you can put the East Coast teams in Florida. You put the central time zone teams in Texas and you put the West coast teams in, in Arizona. It's a little bit more workable for TV. Uh, and you could play, you know, games simultaneously across the street from each other in Arlington. No, you can't. Um, no, we can't do that anymore. I, I mean, I think that they, I, let me say this. I think that conversation has at least been, been brought up. If, if not, um, uh, real deeply, at least by some folks at Major League Baseball who perhaps weren't aware of, of the renovations that, that have been done there. But I think that um, I don't – that's the number one thing I want to investigate this morning because this story started to break later last night uh, is, is there any way to reverse any of that that work that they did in time to get teams in there. And I don't think you can, I think in a best case scenario, you could have Globe Life Park as a home clubhouse for like a home training clubhouse for a team. And you could use that place as, as a conditioning field and things like that. But I think the, by removing what amounted to the visiting dugout walling up an area, it just doesn't have a baseball configuration and it's not simply you know, moving some bleachers around. It, it's it's more substantive than that to, to make to make it work. All right, then. Okay, that's our baseball roundup uh, for the day. Uh, now we're going to move on uh, to our primary goal, which is to talk about uh, the draft and the Cowboys in the draft. Uh, okay. Today, David Moore, uh, Michael Gelkin, and Calvin Watkins uh, had a little thing. In where that they, order. In that in order. That, in you. that order, yeah. That is the thing where they all chose up sides and decided whether the Cowboys should stay put, which is what David said, uh, whether they should trade down, which is what Mr. Galkin said, or Calvin Watkins, who's always a gambler, uh, says to go up uh, and get the player that they want. Uh, so I want each of us to take that, uh, take a position. that We're going to let David keep his, which Thank is you. to stay put. Uh, Evan, you're going to argue in favor of trading up. And I'm going to argue in, in favor of trading down. Okay, David, okay. we'll start with you. Read Calvin's thing word for word out on my yeah, Just read that out loud. Yeah, that'd be good. Dramatic reading. Yeah. Um, Thanks for all the preparation on this. I appreciate sure, it. Sure, sure, no problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as staying put, I mean, I, look, I, I know Jerry has revels and deserves his reputation as a wheeler dealer, uh, the riverboat gambler, and, and a lot of that persona – uh, came with what he's done uh, and how he's approached the draft throughout his career. And so I think there's just a natural assumption that the Cowboys are always looking to move, that uh, staying put is bad, that you're either going to move up or move down and, and turn domino back and turn it into more picks. And 
I, I understand why that perception exists and then that narrative is there, but a shift is, un, is underway here in, the, in this Cowboys organization. And, and if you look back, it has now been seven consecutive years when the Cowboys have been on the clock in the first round and have not moved. I, I would say that is, that's an indication that they're approaching at least the top of the draft differently than they have in the past, that they're recognizing that, you know what, if we do our due diligence and we're not wedded to one position, let the board come to us. Uh, we're going to sit here, maybe some other teams will reach and, and a guy will fall that we didn't anticipate. And even though it may not be the best fit in the moment, um, this makes sense for us. This is going to work. And if the board happens to break in a way um, that you have depth and quality at the positions you're looking to fill, all the better. And like I said, they've done that the last seven years. Now, they didn't have a first-round pick last year, but they didn't move it when they were on the clock. They made the conscious decision the season before that they were going to give up that pick. So Dallas has not altered the draft order in the first round for the last seven years. And I, I really would not anticipate them doing it this time. I, I think they will stay there at 17. Um, hope either Chase on or C.J. Henderson, uh, Chase on the, the edge rusher from LSU, or Henderson, the cornerback, will be there for them. Uh, if both are gone, I think they have a, you know, a group of players that they're happy with there, and uh, they would take one of those players there, then move on and, and maybe look to move around in, in the later rounds, but, but not in the first. You know, uh, I'm going to go now so we can give uh, Evan a chance to study up a little more. Uh, but my, my point on trading down would be that, uh, 17 is not a good, is not a good pick. Obviously if you're, you're, you're in there now the Cowboys, they've got, uh, uh Leighton Vanderich with the 19th pick. Wasn't that right, David? Yeah, 19. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and they got Zach Martin with the 16th pick. Yeah. Back in 2014. That is correct. Uh, the Cowboys have, uh, there's no question, first of all, that with Will McClay as uh, head of the, their their draft room uh, in, in charge of, of scouting, there, there's no question that the Cowboys have drafted better since he's been here. Uh, we, we've seen that. I wrote about that last week in the, in the first round, the last 10 years. They have a, a better track record than they've had at any other of the other two 10-year periods in their history. Um I, I was going to make the point that uh, the, the problem is not at the top of the draft anymore. It's where you, when you get down into the second, third, fourth rounds. Uh, and, and obviously that's always going to be a problem in any draft. You're not going to do as well in later rounds as you do in the first round. That's just the, the percentages go down, obviously. Um, but if you're going to do this, if, if I'm saying that they should trade down, which I'm not positive that they should, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to wait and see where, you know, who's dropping at that point, what's available at that point. I don't think they like Xavier McKinney enough to take him at 17. Uh, and every, you know, he's considered uh, the top safety on the board. To me, if you can get the top player at a position uh, in the first round, if you think that guy's a potential Pro Bowl player, the top player available in the draft, then you probably should take him. Uh, and I think there's probably, that's probably okay to do that. Uh, but if they can't, if they're not going to go for the, for the safety there, they've got Clinton Dix now, 
and that that seems to be their answer at least for this year uh going forward then then i think they should probably trade down to, to add uh, a pick in the second or third round and I'd like to see what that could do, because if we look back over the last few years uh, in these in these drafts and what they've done, uh, of course, we know that last year was, you know, if it hadn't been for Tony Pollard, last year would have almost been a disaster. Uh, Tristan Hill played sparingly. Connor McGovern didn't play at all. Uh, and then the, the, the picks after that, the only one who really stuck, uh, looks like a player to me, who could be perhaps is Donovan Wilson, uh, the safety from A&M. Uh, then if you look back at in uh, 2018, uh, they got Connor Williams in the second round. He, he's, he has started. He's, I, w- I would consider him somewhat of a disappointment, uh, not, not playing to the level I think that they, they wanted to. Certainly Michael Gallup in the third round, that was a, that was a great pick. Uh, he's really stepped up and, and looking very strong. Dorrance Armstrong, they seem to like him. Uh, but I don't see a lot of production there when he when he's been on the field. Dalton Schultz has been a disappointment at tight end. Uh, you know, if you go back the year before that, uh, Chidobe Awuze was a, a second round pick. Jordan Lewis was a third round pick. Uh, both of those guys still with the team could possibly start. Evan, you just be quiet and sit there. Um, Xavier Woods in the sixth round. Now that's a great pick. That uh, they got a guy who can play. So I just, I'm not going to go back any further than that because it's making Evan mad. Uh, and obviously we know what they did in the fourth round in 2016. Uh, right. they got what did a, they do? Got it. They got themselves a starting quarterback there. So it's been a little bit hit and miss. They they've had some some success in in rounds after the first uh, over the last five or six years. Not uh, not as much as they probably need. And I think that this year is the kind of year when they're really going to need to get that. There's a lot of depth at wide receiver in this draft. They need to come away with a wide receiver in the, you know, whether that's the third or fourth round, whenever they decided to take one, they need to get a guy who could possibly start at slot receiver. I think that's really important. I think it's important that they obviously come up with a cornerback in one of the, either the first or the second round, and they probably need to get some help at defensive end. That's going to be harder to do, I think. So now, Evan, you go ahead. Kevin, I believe in the middle of that you heard my dog howling. Um, <laughs> I thought that was just – I thought that was Vegeta. I wasn't sure that I that was the dog. A sound effect. I think it's just an appropriate response to, okay. to your argument. Okay? okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'd like to say both of you, you ignorant blowhards, to take a, a page from Saturday Night Live of old when it was still funny. Jane, um, you ignorant slut. Well, see, I wasn't going to go there, Kevin. Okay. Well, that's just what – that's what He modernized it. He – he me tooed it. So I, yeah, I don't think there, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I feel extra, exceptionally strong about this argument that I'm taking. <laughs> um, but here's the bottom line, guys. Look, this team needs defensive help. Kevin, you've made this argument as, as strong as anybody has. It is crying out for a top tier cornerback, an impact cornerback. It also has a need for for a defensive lineman who can rush a passer. There are limited choices in this in this draft, and this team can't afford to say, "Okay, we're going to make brilliant picks in rounds three, four, and five. This team is in a position where it expects to win, and where the top, the clock is ticking on this team. It needs to take whatever steps possible to make sure it it lands. I would say from a group of of Four players, the the two the two defensive players that they had their eyes on, um, in Henderson and <clears throat> I'm sorry, 
<clears throat> um, they're choked it, up. Uh, yeah, I, and I lost the the name of the edge rusher. Jason. Uh, Chase on. Um, and then uh, the possibility, if you want to go for the real impact guy, who I think would be somewhere in the early teens, would be the two wide receivers, either Judy or Lamb. One of those guys might still be there. So if you want to go away from defense, that I think is going to be the most impactful guy on the board. And so you have to take the steps necessary. And if that means giving up a, a third-round pick to hop three or four spots, I think that's what you have to do because the Cowboys – need to win now and they can't afford to take guys who will be um, decent players this year but not really expected to make an impact until 21 or 22. David I want to ask you something about uh, and I was reading a story we had today uh, the, uh, from the, the Chronicle Aaron Wilson did a story on Chase on and he was talking and he was making the point about Daniel Hunter who is the uh, uh, who's with the Vikings now who had four and a half sacks LSU, and in the last two years with the Vikings, he has 29. This reminds me of the old story about uh, the greatest defensive player, or the, the the guy who played the greatest defense in college basketball was Dean Smith. He held Michael Jordan to 16 points a game his, his last year at North Carolina. How does a guy go from four sacks at LSU to 29 in two years in uh, in uh, with the Vikings. Now, obviously, the the you know Ed Orgeron has a a, a read and react kind of defense. We we've talked about that before in defenses and what how that kind of puts a guy at a little bit of a disadvantage. He's having to play. He's having to play the run. He's, we want to see the play as opposed to a guy. His his one job is to get upfield, kind of like Robert Quinn. We saw that last year with him. You could tell his style of, of is just I'm going to get upfield as fast as I can. Uh, and, and he did that very well for the Cowboys last year. That could also cause some problems a little bit against the run and, and those types of things and those issues. But um, at, at any rate, uh, when, when you see that with these guys, do you, you trust if, – if, if the Cowboys are going to do what Evan is proposing, and that is trading up, do you trust the Cowboys now to know, to believe that this guy, if we traded for him, he's going to be a star? No, I mean, I, I think there's a chance, you know, I, I've talked to some other scouts in the league about Chase on and um, they like him, but they point to the fact it's like, okay, well, look, I still, I still buy into the totality of someone's college career. And, and I look at all of their seasons. And if you go back and you look at Chase on last year, I think he had only three sacks through like seven games or something, the first seven games. And it was like, well, you know, yeah, he's a good player, but an impact player, uh, a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. I don't know about that. And then from that point forward, against the best competition in college football, he dominated. So how much weight do you give the tape when you're breaking it down and assessing his last season at LSU? Do you look at the entire tape and you count off for what he didn't do in those first five, six, seven games? Or do you, you latch on to how he closed and you went, wow, this guy's getting better. He's figured it out uh, because Daniel Hunter was similar. His numbers were not outstanding in college. And now look what he's doing at the pro level. Can you project that Chase on will do the same sort of thing? And I think um, some teams are going to latch on to that and go, 
Well, what we saw at the end against the best competition, that's what we should expect going forward. And other teams will go, well, maybe, but does he have the consistency or does he just flash that for periods but can't sustain it? So, I mean, th those are the questions you're, you're dealing with on Chase On and, and really most edge rushers in the draft. And everyone desperately needs them and they desperately want it to work. So I think most, even, even scouts who are skeptical are still looking for ways where an edge rusher would make sense and would work. And so I think in some respects, because there are fewer of those guys in really other positions, um, I think that if, if you catch a glimpse of what Chason did in last season, you go, wow, this guy, this guy is really something. Uh, if you look at the totality of his career, you go, well, this is a nice player, but is he someone you have to move into the top 15 to get? And uh, I think the answer to that's different. Different. Yeah, I think it's all the, also the, uh, the injury history there with him, uh, yeah. has, has kind of been a little bit of a red flag as well. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, LSU's really has been really good. And obviously, as we know, uh, LSU produces as many, uh, not as many, but he, LSU is, is just right behind Alabama and in terms of producing top-level uh, players and uh, guys who – especially on defense, guys who've gone into the league, uh, yeah. guys in the secondary uh, who've gone on and been very good players, very productive players. So um, it, it is a really tough thing to figure. I, I wonder if, if this is one of the other things, though, to, to me, if, if uh, Chason and Henderson both go before the Cowboys pick – uh, you know, anytime you you have these picks going off the board, that means guys are dropping, right? Uh, there's somebody else who who previously might have been someone who someone would have gone with, and so that does, you know, there is the possibility then of a wide receiver dropping at that point. Um, and and Evan brought up, uh, you know, Judy from Alabama. Uh, I'm I'm much more familiar with C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma. I know I have read what some other uh, draft experts think about him. Um, he is, uh, to me, a, a devastating receiver when he's got the ball in his hands. Uh, the, that play against, uh, against Texas and Texas OU where there were five Texas uh, defensive players around him, and he got by all of them uh, after, after the catch and scored a touchdown. It was just an unbelievable play. It may also be a commentary on the tackling techniques of, uh, of Texas, uh, but he did that a lot. Uh, so – He's a real difference maker. I mean, we've talked about this before. I, I don't know if that's a smart thing for the Cowboys in the first round, though, even if, even if he is available, because I'm not sure how much impact he's going to be able to make with Michael Gallup uh, going into another year uh, and, and being, I would, I would assume, that much more impactful than he has been. He's, he's shown a real uh, – uh, he, he's kind of gone through the roof the last couple of years. So – uh, and then with Blake Jarwin, if that's what you really want, uh, you know, you, you committed to him as your tight end. Um, he's a guy who could play some in the slot. Uh, they, they've talked about that before. Uh, if you're going to be a little more uh, multiple in the things that you do, uh, that maybe you maybe you just do that uh, instead of worrying so much about that. And it's also a deep receiver class. So there are a lot of uh, um, options here for the Cowboys uh, at 17. Um, I'm. I, I'm. I, this is going to be shocking. I don't have an idea what they really should do at this point. 
Well, again, I, I think it depends on how the board breaks in front of them. Um, like I said, I, I believe if Henderson or Chason is there, they will take whichever guy is there. I think it's highly unlikely both are there. Uh, I think it's unlikely either is there, but, um, and, and that gives them, you know, some other scenarios to work through. But if both guys are gone, um, you know, I think A.J. Terrell, uh, the cornerback, um, I think uh, Stephon Diggs, the cornerback, and uh, Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, excuse me. That's his and, brother. Yeah, and uh, Trayvon Diggs, and, uh, and uh, Xavier McKinney. I, I think those are the three uh, top defensive players on the board at that point, and I, I think that the decision would come uh, between those three. Um, you know, th there's some others. I mean, you can, you know, I know some people like Gladney and, and uh, uh, the, the Penn State defensive end, um, Yedro, you know, I, I think uh, they like him as well. Um, you know, the Iowa defensive end, Espinosa. So, I mean, there are some other players there, but they're, they're considered more, a lot of them are more in the, you know, 20, um, you know, before 25 range. And, and this is, this is one thing I always get into in, in the argument on staying put where people go, well, no, because the, the break is at 16. And then if you stay at 17, really, so, okay, you may talk about Terrell, but really on most boards, he's in the 20, he's in the 23 to 26 range. Uh, same with Diggs, uh, same with McKinney. So that's a little bit high for them. My point on that is you're reaching and going off your board if at 17 you take a player where the consensus is he should go in the mid-second round. That's a reach. I would even argue if you take somebody that's uh, end of the first in the 30 to 31 range, then you're reaching and you're hurting your roster by reaching that much and not getting equitable uh, return as far as trying to move back. But if you're only talking about moving back five or maybe six spots, if I'm a team, I can live with, with other teams saying, well, that was a reach or critics saying that was a reach because if you can't execute a trade to move back where you're assured if you're going to get that player, um, why, why would you risk that? And, and to me, there's no way you can get them in the second round. You could make a move that made sense uh, with the team in that area just to move back four or five spots to, to land where you're going to get them. So to me, I don't have a problem. And, and if you want to label that as a reach and, and criticize a club for, oh, well, they took, uh, they took, you know, let's say Terrell at 17 when uh, the consensus boards had him going at 23.4. So that was a reach. I would argue it's not that much of a reach. And if you couldn't execute a deal to go back, you take the player you like rather than leaving it to chance and seeing who drifts to you by going back six or seven spots and then the player you really wanted is gone. I just want to you know, um, go ahead. Evan. I'm just looking at two mocks this morning that dropped this morning, one from CBS sports and one from, uh, from NFL.com. And I, in both of those, it has in some order uh, in the mid teens um, going these three guys in order in, in, in one's got them shuffled a little bit. One's got them in, in, in that direct order, but McKinney, 
Henderson and Chase on. And in one, in one scenario, it's got the Cowboys getting Henderson. One scenario, the Cowboys getting Chase on. So I, if, I think it's, that would be a perfect case scenario for the Cowboys if, uh, if that evolved. Um, but there's, a, there's at least some, some speculation out there that maybe the draft is starting to shape up that way. Yeah, you look, know, and while, while I think they need a corner more than they need a safety, they they could use a safety too because, again, a lot of what we say about corner, uh, how only one guy's under contract next year going forward, they're basically in the same position at safety. And um, so, uh, you know, either one, but just because of the number of corners you have to play, I think you lean toward corner. But if they're sitting there and, and just, again, for sake of argument, if they have McKinney – as a true first-round pick, and, and as we talk about every year, they're only going to have 16, 17 players rated with first-round picks. If McKinney's one of them, and Terrell or Diggs are both second-round picks, and McKinney's there when they're, when they're selecting, then you should take McKinney because you just need help in the secondary, and, and you, can, you can make it work. Uh, for, for what they need from day one going forward, you can say they need less help at safety than they do corner, but I don't know that it's significant enough to where you say, well, no, we're not going to go safety here. Let's, we, we got to go corner. Uh, but I think you do come back and you're going to have to go corner in that second or third round for sure. Well, you always, to me in the first round, you always take the best player you can get. Uh, yeah. And if that is a safety, if, if, the, if the safety you have is higher on your board than the cornerback that you have, then you, I'm with David on that. I, I think the, the problem we've had, you know, because it's been 30 years with Jerry's drafts now, right? And, and so some of us are still, wounded by their uh the the late 90s and the early 2000s when you had silly drafts like uh like they had in 2009 remember where they didn't have a first or second round pick uh and that's when they were drafting all backups uh that was special uh, teams guys and backup depth. special teams guys and backup depth which, which was a horrible plan going in you know just just the idea of it. and they did a terrible job that was a that was an awful draft and they ended up with with really nothing out of it but just the year before that 2008 they had two first rounders that was felix jones and mike jenkins you know and then martellus bennett in the second round to shard choice in the fourth orlando skandrick in the fifth they got more out of the back end of that draft than they did uh, at the at the top end of it so that they're doing a much better job now than they than they were then, and I give Will McClay all the credit for that. Uh, they they are being able to find players in in uh, in different places, and and I haven't always agreed with everything. I know we talked about the the 2013 draft when they traded down to the 31st pick. They got Travis Frederick. They took Gavin Escobar in the second. Uh, uh, you know the argument that was made at that time was is that. Maybe they could have still gotten Travis Frederick. That would have been the – Escobar was the 47th pick. They, could, they still could have gotten him perhaps there and taken a better tight end in the first round, you know, and flopped those picks. I know David has made the point, and, and it's a good one. Travis Frederick is an all-pro player, uh, you know, a Pro Bowl player. So, uh, and then moving back, they got a third-round pick, which turned into Terrence Williams. And while right. his career did not end well here, he was a very productive player for them for a, for a four-year stretch. For a third-round pick, it was a good play. It was a good value. There's no question about that. So they have done a better job at finding those picks there. And I, and I agree with the idea. Moving down four or five picks, to me, if you can get another, if you if you're moving down four picks and those two guys are gone that you really like, uh, I don't think it's going to hurt you that much. And if you're picking up another pick in a draft that's heavy on wide receivers, then I think that's probably a good idea. 
Uh, I am not in favor of trading out of the first round. I'm not in, in favor of even trading into the back end of the first round. I think if you're if you're getting into the low 20s, uh, then that's probably okay. I think that if you're getting that far back, then you're looking at real issues there, and, and it looks like they're getting they would be getting a little too cute to do that. Um, so uh, if the, the the one thing I think that we all agree on, right, is that they have to come out with a starting cornerback out of this draft. I don't see how they can't. I mean, if, if they don't, I guess there's there's still a guy like Logan or somebody like that out there in free agency where you have to spend a lot of money to go after and, and get. Um, but, you know, well, one, they have to do it for this year because, I mean, they, they really need another starting corner. I mean, right now, Chittabay Awuzie is their only proven starting corner uh, on this roster. Otherwise, you're going to have to go Jordan Lewis or Anthony Brown. And both of them have struggled uh, when exposed as starters. Uh, they're, they're better in the slot and, and, and part of the, the nickel and dime coverage. They, they hold up pretty well. Uh, but when they're one of the main two guys, uh, they have not performed as well. So I, I think they desperately need one. One for this year. Two, the only cornerback currently on the roster who will still be on the roster and under contract in 2021 is Anthony Brown. Everyone else is a free agent. So you're going to go, the entire position is going to be wiped out here uh, one year down the road. Now that doesn't mean you can't uh, extend Jordan Lewis and, and, or, you know, Chittabay Awuzie. And I think that will likely happen, but at the moment they're not under contract. And if Chittabay Awuzie has another season, like he ended last year, how much are you going to pay him to keep him? And is he really still a starting corner? So to, to me, that's just their most problematic. I, I think, um, look, and, and I've disagreed with their lack of regard for safety for years, but, but I will say with, with bringing HaHa Clinton Dix in with Xavier Woods, I think they at least hold up there pretty well. Uh, and, and you feel better about where they are at safety from a starting standpoint going into this draft than you do at corner. So that's why I, I, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where they don't, they don't take a corner in the first two rounds. I, I just, it's very hard for me to see that not happening. Well, let me take a, a leap out of the draft here just to talk about something that, cause this gets discussed all the time. Uh, Jamal Adams, is he in uh, a player in any kind of Cowboys negotiations, uh, trade uh, talk at all? Well, uh, Certainly he would be, but if you remember, uh, you know, we reported back in the fall that during the discussions, at that point, the Cowboys were willing to offer a first-round pick uh, and either a fourth or a fifth uh, to, to get Jamal Adams. Uh, the Jets wanted a first and at least a second, and the Cowboys had no intentions of giving up a first and a second, and, and that's where it stopped. Um, you would, I mean, once you start those conversations, I don't know that they ever completely go away. Uh, certainly they would, they would love a Jamal Adams. Uh, uh, you know, this is at the moment, this is kind of paralleling their interest in Earl Watson, uh, uh, last year, Earl Thomas, excuse Earl me, Thomas. Uh, last Earl Thomas. Um, you know, that went on for about a year where they were interested uh, at the end, the price just got too much for them. They wouldn't have signed a, a safety at that age to that price, uh, so they let it drop. Uh, Jamal Adams is different. He's arguably as good as any safety in the league right now. Uh, a young player, he's still on his first contract. 
Now, that's one reason he wants out of the Jets. He wants to get the money now, and he wants to get a deal redone, uh, which it would require Dallas to do. Uh, and they could do it. It wouldn't be necessarily onerous on the cap this year. It's going to be money going forward. So there's some interest there. Um, but then you get into, okay, so you're at 17, and you really want Jamal Adams, but you're going to give up 17. And let's say the Jets back off. And, okay, well, we don't want a two, but you got to give us a three, and we'll get it done. Now, suddenly, you've given up a first and a three. You paid more money than you would for a first and third round pick that you'll devote to Adams. And now all you have is a second round pick until the fourth round. So you're only going to get one player until the fourth round. And that allows you to control your salary cap financially. It gives you more certainty. Uh, it gives you less certainty if you make the Jamal Adams move. So I, I don't know. I, I just think they are so thin at corner. I don't see them being able to make that move for Jamal Adams right now because I don't think they can give up the picks. Yeah, you know, I don't either. I, I thought the same thing. He's a tremendous player. I think he's just 26 years old. Um, he's he's arguably the best safety in the game now. Uh, and he, he would upgrade the Cowboys without question. But that's that's my, my cue. My issue would be so that doesn't solve the problem at cornerback, uh, and that's a bigger problem. Uh, and it is a big problem for the Cowboys going into, into this season. And um, one of the reasons why I thought they should have uh, gone ahead and paid Byron Jones, um, because even if they kept Byron Jones, I, I wouldn't have felt great about their cornerback situation. You know, and now it's even thinner. So um, th that's going to be uh, – that would be a, an interesting uh, thought. I, I, you know, I know that, that Jerry said after they traded the first-round draft pick and got Amari Cooper that they, they still felt really good on draft day. They looked at those – they looked at the production that he had, and he was worth that first-round pick. Um, and his age, too. I mean, he was – I mean, he was 23 at that yeah. point when they made the deal, and he's 24 now. So – um, it's different if you're getting a 28-year-old or something like that. And Jamal Adams doesn't fall into that. But it's uh, that was the other part of the rationale for giving up a first for Amari Cooper was his age, uh, that you're still getting a young guy, a, a guy that you can get realistically two more contracts on going forward if you wanted. And so um, that made that more palatable. Uh, Adams, from a talent standpoint and an age standpoint, that fits but this with who they allow to walk on defense and where they are right now and how they're how they're loaded on the offensive side of the ball and not the defensive side of the ball I just don't know that that Adams at this time makes sense to give up multiple picks and have to uh, devote more money in order to get it done uh, than just restocking and rebuilding this defense through the draft. I saw another name that came up with the Cowboys might have some interest in Drake Kirkpatrick, uh, the Bengals cornerback um, who was uh, released. Do you, ha you think there's anything to that? They have not contacted him. Uh, I think he's a pretty low on the list. Uh, I think he's a guy that, okay, if we don't get who we want at corner out of this draft, we're going to have to sign some other guys to plug in this year. Uh, you would look at doing that, but he is he is a uh, a back end option. I would say there has been no uh, look. You can look at any corner out there and say this is someone the Cowboys should consider because of their position, uh, but they're not going to consider any of these players until after the draft. 
Evan, do you have any last thoughts on this draft and what you want to do? And if you were regretting the fact that you said that the Cowboys should trade up. Yeah, why would you take that stance? I regret nothing that I said. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember what you said? I also take no responsibility for what I've said if this completely messes up the Cowboys. <laughs> maybe maybe Jerry's listening to this. You know, he likes to think what well, he likes to know what we're thinking. I think all the time. He uh, well, if he's smart, he'd listen to me for a change. Yeah, there you go. That's Jerry. <laughs> Evan, no, we're not even listening to you, much less Jerry Jones listening to you. I don't know. I don't know what you're. What you're oh asking. wow, you're not listening to me. You think I even listen to myself? <laughs> Got a point. That's a great point. All right. So I, I, stuff I, out. Yesterday, yesterday I put two rolls of toilet paper and a thing from a um from a paper Roller. towel an empty paper towel holder uh in the toilet and told gina hey come here quick the toilet's smoking <laughs> stop it I, you've I, been I you've, picture. you've been holed up for too long that, that is really sad stuff all right i'm gonna go around one more time here no i think Everybody. that just shows he needs to be <laughs> held up even longer yeah in, in absolutely isolation. yeah we, we all I don't know that this. we should unleash this on the public all right what do I want everybody to say? What do you think the Cowboys are going to do? Trade up, trade down, stay in the same place, and who do they end up with in the first round? David, you go first. I think they stay put. Um, I think they're. I think they have a at least a decent chance of getting chased on. All right, I'm going to say that they stay put as well, and and they end up with uh, Xavier McKinney. Evan, you cowards. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do? They are going to roll the dice, trade up, walk away with C.J. Henderson, and they are, and the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl. Wow, look at Evan. Of course, there's not going to be a Super Bowl. That's where you're wrong. Uh, they're not even going to be a football season. There won't be anything. You know, we're just gonna, all going to be sitting around. In but. my mind, they'll be in the Super Bowl, and I'll be having <laughs> walk. <laughs> That's a scary place in your mind. I don't want to go there. All right, that's going to do it for our Baldy podcast again. I uh, hope that y'all will uh, tune in next week. We'll, we're probably just going to have the one uh, uh, edition of uh, Ballsy this week. We will go back to probably two next week, uh, but we uh, got a lot of stuff happening for a change. There's, there's something actually out there on the calendar that we can count on, uh, and that's going to be the draft. That'll be nice, won't it? Yes. Yes, Kevin, it will. Thanks for backing me up there, David. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.